You know what it is. It's your boy Big Phil, and you're now listening to the Veal Radio Show. Where we chilling like villains with the homie Jay Harris, Shirk Dog, and yours truly. Yes. Yo, 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 what's going on? This is uh, Pure Radio 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. You are rocking with the Ville Radio Show. This is Pastor Jay, a.k.a. Julie Uli's in the building. You already know what it is. It's at Charlottesville Part 2, so you already know this is about to get real ugly up in here. Um, but we're going to try to do it in a, in, a, in a beautiful, godly way or whatever. Yes, but sir. we're going to get very real about what we need to talk about today. Um, I hope you joined us last week when we got into the first part. Um, I got my man Philly Illy's in the building. You already know we here, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And we get the, we about to get it popping in this joint and make people let them know that we about to get in the that thing with that thing because it might get cuckoo in this joint, but it's all good. It's this. all good and uh, <laughs> that's what it is, you know straight up. And we got some guests in the building, you know what I'm saying? Some fellas I love talking to. We talked for like an hour before we even got on the air or whatever. <laughs> so it's just one of them things where we just, we talk about this stuff. It's in our face, so we, we run with it, you know what I'm saying? But, yo, fellas, introduce yourselves real quick. You, you, you don't have to top Phil's thing. Nobody can beat them. Yeah, so don't try. <laughs> I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm Jonathan Blackburn. I'm executive director from Second Mile. We've got a nice, beautiful partnership with the Real Church. And um, on, some love discussion of issues. Glory to God. And uh, so it's a good, uh, good, uh, good opportunity. Most definitely. And we got a new thug on the radio show today. <laughs> Pray no. Brand new. I'm Mark Nettleton. I work with Jonathan over at Second Mile. It's good to be here. Straight up. No diggies, no diggies. So, listen, we in part two of Charlottesville. Shout out to the Ville Church, our sponsor. You know what I'm saying? Always holding us down. Feel? Um, like, like our guest said today, they're from Second Mile, um, which is a nonprofit located in the Brentwood community. Um, and we have an amazing partnership with them. And they're just doing a lot when it comes to spreading the gospel and loving the community. Um, that's something dear to our heart. And I'm, I'm so thankful God has brought us together to be able to work with y'all. Um, I think our hearts are pretty much in tune, um, very much so. So it's it's a great, great deal or whatever. Um, and you, you'll get to hear why I, I uh, cherish these two fellas so much and what God is doing in their heart and called them to do. And even in the in the in the lane of racial reconciliation and um, and redeeming the community through moving forward with the love of Jesus Christ. It's, it's some gangster, beautiful stuff to watch. Um, and I think it needs to be on blast for a whole city to see. That's what I feel like. So anyway, you can get a glimpse of it today as we get in these conversations. So listen, Charlottesville, United States, America, stuff is going crazy absolutely right now. Our president is getting on the on, on the TV saying some crazy stuff these days or whatever, right? We ain't going to throw no rocks at him, but our president is, is uh, I'm not sure what, what to even say there or whatever. Can one of y'all give us, um, just from your perspective, an update on what you see popping off in Charlottesville? Be messy with it, whatever. Okay, so what went down is a couple, couple weeks ago, a couple mm-hmm. weeks back, um, in response to there was a movement to remove a statue of Robert E. Lee in Charlottesville, West Virginia, or in Virginia, not West Virginia, in Charlottesville, Virginia, and a group of alt-right, white nationalists, neo-Nazis, others thrown in there together, um, put the word out, gathered together over the last several months, and organized this event where they all gathered together to, in, in the uh, explicit reason being to protest this statue being taken down, um, and then things 
things didn't go well, right? So, so they, they came out the night before with their tiki torches, and um, it, it was a, a rally of terrorists, is, is a word I'm willing to use for mm, it. Yeah. And then the next day, before the, the actual event could even start, uh, things broke down into violence. The governor declared a state of emergency, and ultimately uh, someone was killed when one of the white nationalists drove his car into a crowd intentionally, as far as we know, intending to afflict bodily harm to as many people as possible amongst the counter-protesters. Why, well, let me ask you a question. Why is it so difficult for uh, people to put it in that perspective? I've heard everything from, even, even with using white nationalists, or, you know, and I know you know what, what, what you just gave your, your, your uh, um, definition of what went on. So I know what you understand what went on that day. But even the, even the words of using white nationalists, even some so uh, left uh, field as to, oh, well, they were neo-Nazis and they were out there for a different purpose. Um, you know, it's not really necessarily about hating black and brown people. Uh, you know, like, why is it, why would, why is it so difficult to people for people to put it in that perspective that it is what it was. It was a almost a, well, it wasn't, it ain't almost, it was a form of terrorism, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And it really went down in ways that as a country showed where, how, how, where we are, like. Be, because, oh, okay, so I can be real here? Yes, <laughs> I get the be real, you can be real. <laughs> because what, most, the, the moderate, the average moderate white folk in America doesn't want to believe that whiteness connotates any sort of meaning, right? So, so usually if, if if the, the typical view is, is we have a, a white normative society or a white-centered society where the actions of white people is considered what is normal rather than a culture itself. So events like those in Charlottesville, to the, to the average white American, it disrupts that narrative, right? So it's like, oh, these, these are bad white people. And something about their whiteness and their identity in it that makes them bad. So be, that makes people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're the majority culture, you're the dominant culture, you hate being uncomfortable. I mean, right, the scripture says we all hate being uncomfortable. We got right. this comfort idol, every one of us. But mm. specifically for, for those who have been empowered and stand in the majority in this country, discomfort feels like poison to us. Yeah. Um, so, so when we talk about this, yeah, I saw a poll yesterday that said amongst Republicans, not trying to throw any shade on any party or anything, but amongst Republicans, 80% of them said that the events in Charlottesville were, were caused by, quote, both sides. Um, and that's just objectively not laid out by the facts, but... That, that's where we're at when anytime race comes up in America, factions develop really quickly. You, 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 can I lean into something? And I, I want to railroad this real quick. But this whole notion that um, this was caused by both sides. Like, can, we, can we talk about that, whatever, right? So, like, it, it, the, 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 the swastika, right? It's a symbol associated with the idea of a racially pure state, right? So it's this idea that we're going to purify. <laughs> if you see a bunch of black guys wearing it, then the idea is going to be we want to wipe out everybody else. If you see a bunch of white guys wearing it, the idea that, that we in America are going to gra grab is that you can't come to destroy other people. Like, it, it's, it's that symbol is not in this gray area by no means because of the history of it, right? So it's crazy to me when I hear people in the, and I heard the media taking this place of both sides. Because if anybody shows up in our country 
wearing a flag and they have um, um, something like destroy America, everybody's going to hit the streets and, and, and they're not going to play peaceful protesters. They're going to say, you came to destroy our country, you're an enemy, and that's just going to be it. And, and nobody's going to talk about it from both sides. And so it feels dehumanizing for me as an African-American when somebody's going, oh, you know, y'all got all riled up too and kind of set this off. Homie, we didn't show up with something, with a symbol that said annihilate the, the, the white race out of our country. We ain't playing the same game. We're not on both sides. There's a, there, there's a problem in that thinking, and there's a, a extreme problem with the amount of Christian leaders that are dancing in this gray area. I saw some real punked out responses to Charlottesville um, coming out of different leaders or whatever that really just disgusted me to my soul. Um, uh, another thing I'll add on to that too, me and Phil were talking about this. One of my grievances in the middle of it is, I touched on this last week, is um, in the middle of this conversation, one of the things I'm thinking about is my family safety. Because I feel like the president is talking in this code language that is a symbol to those who are extremists on the on the on the side of hating minorities and any color colored people other than themselves. And I feel like he is giving code talk and encouragement to it um, based on their responses. They feel encouraged by it. Um, even many of my white friends have rolled up on me and they've been they they've like. Your homie, he's giving code language to extremists. Um, and, and, and so I mentioned this last week that we were talking about um, Immaculate Ibegeza. I can't even say her name correctly, but she was the young lady who doing the Rwandan genocide. She survived inside of a bathroom, I think we said from three to eight months with eight people, a three by four bathroom. Mm. Um, when their tribes completely, their president died and then the tribes killed each other. Like one tribe slaughtered the other and over a million people dead over a matter of three months, right? And so she was talking about how they used to be, there would be propaganda and stuff on the radio and they would be like, we gotta kill these people. And they just were like, man, these people are crazy, man. These people are drunk, it's the word she used. But she said she never in her life thought that they would take to the streets and start slaughtering and killing people, a whole family died, grandmother, parents, everybody. And she said they were even on the radio saying, make sure you don't forget the kids and the children. But, you know, they existed at one point. The same way we do in this world, working at jobs mm. with other people that are of different races, but living with this very real tension and this very real lack of love between ourselves that one day has to manifest itself. The wages of sin is death. This sinful division we have in our heart is going to manifest into something at some point. Um, and, and, and I imagine the people who are on the side of the powerless, are, it's going to look real ugly for them. So that's what scares me for my family in the middle of this conversation. Um, I didn't mean to get long-winded on that, but we were talking about that both sides dance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's funny because uh, I think even for African-Americans, I think we would feel some liberation if that both, even if, if that both sides argument was even applied to some of our struggles, such as the issue of um, a lot of uh, African-Americans dying at the hands of police. Yeah. What if somebody at least gave, some kind of grace to both sides. Yeah, you know, no, like that—that that is like not even like allowed. Mm. Like the Eric Eric Garner shouldn't have died. That uh, Tamir Rice shouldn't have died that way. 
Like nobody, you know what I mean? There, there were, now, judgments played out because those, those cities have awarded those families. Philando Castillo shouldn't have died because of a taillight. But the national narrative isn't like, oh, well, both sides made bad decisions. It's more so often like, oh, they were not, they were resistant. They were whatever the case may be. So that's the narrative. So the fact that that, gr that application and lens is not applied equally mm -hmm. um, brings even more division. Yeah. Um, but then also, um, and Mark probably can speak to this as well, like what it does to reinforce as far as the coded language, um, if, if you're saying that and not really giving merit to what these other groups say and represent, like you can literally go to Richard's, is it Richard Spicer? Richard Spencer. Richard Spencer, who was like one of the alt-right voices. He will like tell you like, this is like our social belief. We are in different to all other races. Either we don't care or that's not our worry. Our worry is about the, the um, posterity and the flourishing of the white race. Like, like they are openly saying that. Jared Taylor, I think, is one of the other. There's like a number of voices. You know, so you have that, and that's like the soft side. Then you have like the neo-Nazis, the, the KKK that are just like, you know, some of them, I don't know if any of you guys got a chance to see the Vice documentary, the one I was telling you about. Yeah, I didn't but see But they that. were, like, that, that guy was just like, kill the Jews. Um, uh, the lady asked him, when did you start feeling this way? And he was like, I started feeling a lot of this kind of open vocalness from the Trayvon Martin Tamir Rice incidents. And I'm like, like, wow, like, that's what's, and then, like, you hear, like, the, the, the vulgarity but then for Trump to come out and still say like, both, like, man, do you like these? Some of these guys are advocating like genocide. He hasn't even it, yeah. spoken against spoken. it. Man. And then like the the point that you're making, often when you see some of those people who have been um, brought up on charges for um, the Holocaust, when you hear like often their stories, many of those guys will tell you they did not agree with that in their heart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they would like. They would not be like, be a, uh, be a part of people killing people. But what we do, and I think there's like, um, I don't know if it was like Harvard or Yale did a social experiment about even like how you can get people to do things that they don't necessarily want to do. Yeah. And the guy who did the Vice documentary, he's like crying. He's like, oh, this is fake. I'm scared for my life. We're like, that's not what you were, that's not what you were portraying on TV. And then when you look at the perpetrator, the guy who, the, the kid who killed the lady, he was only 20 years old. Yeah. He's really a kid. Yeah. But he's listening to the rhetoric of older people who've never, who've never done it and don't plan to do it. And so often, like, you're playing on the weak who don't have the good rationality to make a Dylan Roof. The same thing, I think, was 18, 19. He's a kid. But he's listening to rhetoric yeah. from older people who are not going to do it. And his you know, brain is not even developed, developed enough to where he can make proper decisions. Decision. Like, yeah. Hmm. Man. I think about a couple, a couple of historical examples have come up. And, and if we look at, so in, in South Africa, uh, where they had apartheid, right, after that took place, they had um, truth and reconciliation commissions that took place where, where, the white perpetrators and the victims of apartheid, they, they all spoke publicly and, and did that. Or this happened in Rwanda after the genocide or in, in different ways that happened in Germany in the, in the 1940s and 50s. Uh, but in America, 
we have we have done nothing to reckon with our our history of racial injustice. Uh, really, and, and that would be right against African Americans, against American Latinos, against the Na uh, Native Americans. Right? We 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 maybe scrape by it in history class, but if anything, and and this comes central when we talk about this issue with Charlottesville, is actually we. We, we can take this history and instead of reckoning with it and seeking out reconciliation, we go back and we, we lionize these figures that perpetuated this injustice and that takes us back to, it takes us to Robert E. Lee, that takes us to why three blocks from here we've got a statue to the Confederate women who, mm -hmm. who helped support their husbands so they could fight for slavery, right? Like it's, it's, that's what we do with history in America is we, we don't seek reconciliation, we seek I don't even know what we said. I don't know what the word for it is. Further yeah. division. And I mean, and that's what we were talking about last week on part one, Charlottesville, just like these statues, man, like what what they do to me as a black man when I walk past them, you know, when I see them, you know, what if my son asks me, well, dad, what, this, what, what does this statue mean? I have to explain to him what this statue means. And in the midst of me educating him, I'm also deprogramming his mind to believe that he is um, not more, he's, he, he's less a human being mm -hmm. than, the, than the statue he's looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this statue that he's looking at yeah. has more rights and freedom than he does. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. that's just, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. And when we don't sit back and take the time to understand that that's what we're doing, yeah. when we make big deals about statues being up. Yeah. Statues are what they are. History is what, he, what it is. We should always want to hold on to history to show how far we come, to show the mistakes we made. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. I'm not saying do away with history. Yeah. But history being celebrated in the public eye of those that it has a history of condemning, dehumanizing, killing, enslaving, yeah. we have to change how we view, if we don't, we're, we're perpetuating what Push went on it, Pushing it up yeah, the street. Like we, we really are, man. Yeah. And I, I think um, that's probably one of, the, one of the greatest growths for our nation right now is how African Americans, we are really internalizing this. Mm -hmm. You know, like it is fear. Like, I mean, I don't, like I've ran into several situations just in the last week and I'm like, you know, is this dude, you know what I mean? Does he, does he not like me? Does he not like me based on the narrative that is going around in the country? Right. Are people like feeling like that, you know, they are awake? And so, you know, every a lot of situations that I'm in, um, I, I was drove out to a, you know, a far part of town for a doctor's appointment the other day, and I was in a place where I was the extreme minority. And, you know, the person was making my food. And I'm, I can't help but think, like, yo, are they, I'm glad they're cooking my food right there. How are they going to treat me? And, that, and for some person, that could be like, oh, you're just being irrational. Hmm. But that is deep down in the heart and in our, in my consciousness. And the, the larger narrative is proving that um, what Charlottesville did is proved validity. Like, we've been saying this all along. Right. And all this is like, this is not just some hicks. And excuse me, forgive me for anybody who who, who may be feeling like I'm representative, but that's the way. It's, it's just these poor um, white people who are up in the mountains who feel this way. Like, no, like this is all across the board. These are people yeah. who are working in law enforcement. These are people who are working in universities. These are people who influence large amounts of people in thinking. 
that are influencing this thought. And then the vice thing, the guy, Stormfront, I guess, is a major uh, uh, um, white supremacist website that was, like, taken down. But the guy who was the editor said, he, he just, he looked at the lady in the camera and said, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, yeah. when people are emboldened, it is, it's, it's, it's scary. Yeah. You know, it is, it is. It's because you don't know, like, all of a sudden, um, you know, I've seen a lot of African-Americans lately, like, they won't go to the south side of Chicago. They won't go to such and such. They showed up on Howard, Howard University, two, two, two white girls with Donald Trump hats. So, like, like, don't push people, you know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah. who knows what people will do with information or, you know, being emboldened. Yeah. Um, if, you know, with Dylan Roof, you know, if, if a, a white person who looks a certain way shows up at an African-American church, you're going to react a certain way today. Regardless of, you know, like the purity of a person's heart. Yeah, it's sad, but it's the reality of the history of America and um, the events that's happening today. And I think the church, if we just be honest about these things, like, I just take a look at myself. It, it, I know this is going on when I have to check my heart. Yeah. But like, I was just expressing to you and Jeremy last week, and I told a couple other people about how what I post, what I say is now starting to filter my heart in ways that is contrary to the God I serve yeah. and what and how I supposed to present myself as a Christian man. And if that like that's happening to 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 me, okay? Now, I have a people that follow me that listen to what I say, younger people that when I run into them, it's coming out worse. It's coming out 10 times even with more hatred than I did. And then I have to sit back and look and like, man, like, am I spewing this out for the public to feel this way? Yeah. I mean, I'm walking in the store, just like you said, I'm walking in the store last week and I lock eyes with this white gentleman and we're, we're looking at each other. And I, and I think literally for that moment, we was just looking at each other like, you know, because of the way we came around the corner. Yeah. We came around the corner like just, you know, every, I, you know, I have my demeanor. He had his demeanor. And then when you catch people looking a certain way, it's almost like it was almost like face off. And we sat and we stared at each other for a good 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. So I just smiled and just, you know, kept walking. So I turned I turned around to get to grab what I grabbed off the shelf. And he was looking, still looking at it like he turned around to it. And it's like, man, you know, you take, it's, that's, that's a light part of it, but that's still like tension. No, no, it's it's, right. it's tense. That's, that's tense. The, the, like, the anxiety is turned up to a whole nother level, yeah. like in the streets or whatever. And I, I think one of the big questions is like, how do we lead as the church in the middle of this? Because like I was saying earlier, the gray area game is disgusting. I, I really was happy to see, um, 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 what's my man, um, Matt Chandler, yeah. come out and make the statement he made. Like, yo, we as the church, we completely denounce this. This is, this is anti-Christ. This isn't Jesus. This isn't the gospel, the pure gospel that we preach. Um, I think there's implications of that that need to happen within the way we run our churches and the way we shepherd them on a day-to-day -day basis before these problems even arrive. But while the heat is on, I respect somebody coming and not dancing in the gray area because yeah. that, that, that thing, it's been disgusting for the longest 
Um, and it's, it, it, you know, when we're looking at was 2.5% to 5% diversity in the American church, yeah, we got a problem. That means forget, forget them with the, with the swastika, swastika on their, on their joint. You know, the church is the, is the face of that. The cross is turning to, to that symbol. If you look at our churches and, and God forbid that ever be the case that we, um, dirty up the cross in that way that we, every, every every person that calls them a believer should be utterly concerned that this is actually happening and that we are on the forefront of these movements. A lot of these guys, if you pull them to the side, they're going to say we're Christians. That's what, that's what I was going to say. I was like, well, the issue is, is that a lot of those guys believe that they are Christians. Yeah. Like I heard one of them say. I'm David a, Duke is. A, yeah, yeah, yes. Like, and we. It's something. Don't call them Christians. <laughs> and, and we have like. I'm to a place to where the church, this is need, this needs to be alarming yeah. to the church, yeah. to the body of Christ. This needs to be alarming. Like, this needs to be leaders getting with each other and saying, yo, we ha- need to have a conversation. Yeah. We, need, we must talk about this. We must deal with this. We, mu- we must not only just preach this over our pulpit to our people, because still, Sunday is the most segregated day of the, year, uh, uh, of the week. So, you're giving it to your people. What? Let's show our people. How, let Let's go up the street, have a conversation with the with the white pastor, the black pastor. Let's get us all in a room. Let's Let's really work through some of these things. You know what I'm saying? Like really work through it because I I don't know, man. I like it is. It's very alarming. Like, what do you all think can be done? Like, let me hear from you all. Where do you see? Well, well, let me re- re- reword it. What what what's what what is a possibility of that taking place to where we can get honest, God fearing male figures, at least in our city alone, really take a time to say, hey, you know what? Let's have these type of conversations because this is what's going on. Whether even if you you're woke or not, quote unquote, like where do you think? this can play a part to where this can be helpful to the body, like at least just in our demographic and where we do church at, so. Yeah, Mark is, a, I have to put a plug on it, but Mark is leading a, actually a discussion at Northside Community Church on a book called Divided by Faith. And it just really kind of explores like the history of like Christianity's role. And so it's a great way if some people want to plug into an ongoing conversation, we're kind of, um, Larger dialogue is going through it. That's every second and fourth Tuesday at Northside Community Church. But Mark probably can speak a little a little bit to that. Um, I think part of what we do as the church is is one thing is we start we, we start including racism on our list of sins, right? Like mm-hmm. so, it's a lot of times like like as Christians, we we kind of make a list of like these are little sins and these are big sins and then those are the really bad sins. Yeah. Um, and and the pastor he's going to get up there and he's going to. He's gonna in his sermon that he's got this list. I mean, I preach sometimes, right? You yeah. got this list in the back of your head. If you, if you got to start talking about unrighteousness, you're just gonna. These are the four sins I'm gonna throw out. You know, I'm gonna talk about anger. I'm gonna talk about pornography. Gonna, like that's what's gonna happen. We need to throw racism in that list so that people are hearing. And this is key, I'd say, for for white churches, um, is that racism is talked about not just when there's a Charlottesville, not yeah. just when there's a Charleston Nine, but that racism is from the pulpit and in our conversations in our 
small groups, white folks love small groups, um, that there would be uh, conversations about how racism is a sin and it's antithetical to the gospel of Ephesians 2, which declares that Jesus Christ died on the cross to break down the wall that separated mm -hmm. the hostility of the Jews and the Gentiles of the yeah. two ethnic groups. Yeah. Um, so, so one is we, we frame it as sin. And then second is, and, and, and a sin that, that you should fall under church discipline for if you're guilty of. Yeah. Uh, like that's, we, sh we should do that. And, we, and, and if someone is repeatedly guilty of it, if, if, if you were publicly guilty of that sin, um, you should be put under public church discipline. Uh, is that some people might not go down that road theologically, but I would if, if I was a pastor and one of my members, his picture was on the newspaper at that rally, we would be talking about it publicly. So that's, that's an aside though. But the other thing, so creating it as an as a issue of sin, but also we need to have a bigger gospel like the gospel that includes the entirety of Ephesians chapter 2, yeah. that, that Jesus has reconciled us vertically with himself, but also he has reconciled us with one another as people on this earth. And that needs to be part of the story we're telling our people. Most definitely. I, I, would, I would add in there is that 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 big gospel needs to include us being poor in spirit. Yeah. Um, I think that classism that we play from a moral and self-righteous standpoint is dead in the center of that deal too that allows this racism to thrive because it's like man like we're saved by the blood of jesus mm -hmm. not by anything we've done not by our skin color like it's it's foolishness in light of the gospel for us to lean um for this to be even attached to the people of god um and it, it could very well be a line that are we the people of god if, 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 if and, and, and then what's crazy is that we have a lot of pastors that they're aware of the conversation um, because I've talked to some of them. We've had some of them on the radio that they're aware of the conversation and they're having to digest whether they want to lose um, a, a large amount of their population in their church by speaking into this um, and speaking up for the members, which might be the minority inside of their church you know, population speaking up on their behalf because they know that they're being, you know, grievously um, trampled over even in their church context and then on, a, on in the media every day or whatever, right? So it takes a, a, a gangster, well, it doesn't even take a gangster, it takes an honest pastor to stand up and just be real in the pulpit and be like, this is a problem. This is not how we love our brothers and sisters and, and this, is, this is in complete opposition to the cross of Jesus Christ. And let's, let's let it not be said of our church that we ever stood on the wrong side of this conversation. Um, and then some, some of us need to just go back to our historical narrative for our churches and, and repent and clean, them up, clean up some of that. Start in the past and, and, and clean up some of the stuff that we've had a hand in and, and whatnot, you know? Yeah, I think, yeah. And I think a lot of that is, is, has happened in the past. Um, you've had like Southern Baptists, you've had denominations that have had these kind of um, crying sessions, but I think the issue is the fruits worthy of repentance or like um, a collective experience of Zacchaeus who yes. says, I'm going to restore fourfold yes. of anybody I have um, taken advantage of. Yeah. Um, and I think like for African-Americans, by and large Christian, it's like, this is, this is not really big news to us. Only thing is like, well, at least we got some example to kind of point to, but it's kind of been stolen back from us because it's all sides again. But <laughs> I think like a lot of that has to be 
put into the conversation. And so we always talk about this issue of, of reparations. And that even that word triggers a lot of feelings, interpretations. But at the very least, you got to at least wrestle with it. Yeah. What has it cost these people? Yeah. I mean, for me, like one of the biggest things is uh, if you were to just clear indicator, by and large, African-American women are not married and are not married at the same rate that often other races are. African-American children don't have fathers. African-American males are largely or at a, at a very large disparity rate are not involved in largely contributing to African-American society. I did not say everybody, because I know I could get in, you can get in trouble saying that, and that they're, they're not examples. But by and large, that is a lot of the brokenness that exists. And so why is it um, that the family structure has been um, eroded and disruptive? And a large part of that has to be like the history uh, that race has played in America. Because for us to be, which people often remind, to be a small percentage of the nation, why are we disproportionately represented in all these factors that are not related to well-being? You know. So, so, so we could do that, right? Yeah. We could dignify people by sitting and working through the details of what has been lost, or we can go with the more common uh, uh, answer. And just dehumanize people by just putting, making, by 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 lifting our self righteousness up and just saying they're they're animals, because that's really what's at the heart of a lot of these conversations when we talk about um, minorities um, or 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 you know popular culture, um, and 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 when we start weighing it and and digging out the value in it, I, I hear people just go to look at these people look at this or whatever, this, this super lazy response that says, I'm better and look at these people instead of being responsible and going, what is the, what's, these are humans. So something has had to happen here. Something in our city, in our historical context has broken something in this area. Why is it palm trees all the way down this road over here? And over here, there's nothing but abandoned buildings so either they are animals but i'm not stupid they're not animals right or something has happened and we need to figure this out because it's a true injustice if if, if that's the case right and but I think, that, there's, I think there's some liberation even if the nation could just say that just there's to say that like this clouded ambiguity like what do you what do people really feel and what, what I, you could appreciate about the neo-Nazis, the alt-right, the KKK, is that they are clearly saying it. You are less than us. Yeah. We are more important, important than you. Like, they are clearly saying it. Yeah. Yes. And that way, there's less ambiguity. I, I can at least understand. That don't mean I feel comfortable. Yeah. don't mean I don't have fear. But I do understand where you're coming from. Yep. Whereas other people, like, it could just be, oh, I have black friends. Yeah. Oh, uh, my, yeah. my brother-in-law is black or sister-in-law is black. And you, that doesn't necessarily say anything about your heart. None of about that. How you really feel, what you know. Um, and so a lot of people in America's created these ways to be, to cloud out the clear issues uh, over Colin Kaepernick. We're talking about Colin Kaepernick kneeing, 
when the real issue, he's like, man, African-Americans are not, doesn't seem like they're being traded well by law enforcement, and there's this historical narrative. But that keeps keep being clouded out. When people are protesting, like, what are we protesting about? When, when, when you have an owner of a football team that says, and I'm going to remove myself from this after I say this, because, <clears throat> excuse me, there are bigger issues, but there's a clear understanding of taking place and why he's not on a football team. Mm -hmm. But when you have an owner that says, please pray for us as we make this decision on what we're going to do when it comes to signing cards. Please pray for us. Oh, how, how noble of you. Please, he said, please pray for us while we make a decision on whether or not signing somebody to play foot, for entertainment, for football. And that's the heart of the Christian. That's, that's, that's the American dream. That's the owner of one of the most biggest football franchises. Was, was that the Ravens? It was oh, Ravens. Man. That was Biscotti. That's, that's, like, that's one of the biggest, like, and he is an example of what the American dream should be. And this, he just showed you the heart of this country yeah. when he asked you to pray for a decision like that. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's spineless, and it's that gray area. And so let's, let's, let's help the people out a little bit. Let's, so for the, for the listener right now who is trying to, you know, you just made a, you, you just made a point. Like, yo, at least we know where the radicals are at. At least I know it's like we want to see your black self dead and gone, right? I don't have to guess. That's it. I, I actually feel a little bit more comfortable trying to go forward with the gospel even with that person because no, I know exactly where they're at. Um, I can actually gird myself up. Um, there's, there's, of course, the attention and anxiety of protecting my family, but I can actually wrestle with the idea of girding myself up of, God, how am I going to take your heart and love something of such resistance. But that moving target in the middle that says things like this, I don't see black and white. That's, that's Why is this a conversation? Let's just all do away with race. In my experience, and in several of my brother's experiences, and in Frederick Douglass's words and his writings, and in Martin Luther King Jr.'s writings, those are the most dangerous people in this conversation. The people are in, that are in this gray area because they won't stand on a side and they make the conversation muddy for everybody else. And they deceive people with this, this false reality that's really, really not there. And for me over here, where my family's at stake, you over here tap dancing in the middle, homie, like this could look like us getting slaughtered over this. Uh, this uh, uh, showing up to a rally to stand up for us to be humans could look like me actually dying and not making it home while you're going, oh, brother, with this net. No, like, I need you to see color. Well, I, they, they, I need you to pick a side of what's right, right. and wrong. Yeah, or they take the, they take the action. They, they say, and we have a lot of, I, I know a lot of Christian brothers, black and white, that do this. Um, they, they take the Charlotte, they will take Charlottesville situation and they would say the actions of the driver, he was sinful, and leave it at that. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. But it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a race thing. It shouldn't. It's not a color thing. We all one body. It's just a depravity of men's heart. Period. No, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we're hashing out 
uh, 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 we're hashing out uh, illusion, delusions. You know, we're delusional. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like we, like I, 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 I'm having conversations. I see comments. I see posts with these comments. Like, what, what do we say? Like, how do we respond? How am I supposed to respond to that? Like, what do we say when it comes to stuff like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, where do we go? Yeah, we all a little. <laughs> 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 yeah, the I conversation think, I, I mean, is overwhelming. Yeah, I think man. A, a big thing is um, bitterness and hatred is ultimately very unfruitful. It can be temporarily rewarding, um, but what it what it does to the individual, what it does to people, um, is very bad. And so I would I would say that like when I read when I read Martin Luther King and he talked about. Like people, you know, as African-Americans, we have this conversation because there are like different major pillars within how, how we react. And I think they're very much integrated. Some people are separatists, some people are in assimilation, some people are integrate. And so, um, so it's crazy to think that Martin Luther King did, didn't feel like any other person, African-American person, or didn't feel like Malcolm X or that approach. But I, I, he would often clearly say, that he had to fight bitterness with tooth and like he had to fight it. He's, yeah. I remember writing something, he said, sometimes I don't have to think about anything just so I wouldn't be led down this mm. bitter trail. Yeah. Be and one level is because at any moment, if I wanted to, I can make all y'all fight. I, I could make, I could, I could do it. But mm. guess what would happen? You'd be slaughtered or it'd be a, it'd be a, a bloodbath. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the, it didn't necessarily always, it didn't benefit us in every way, but the Civil War led to a lot of bloodshed. It, it still didn't benefit, it still largely uh, didn't benefit African Americans. Um, I mean, for, for white Americans or for white Christians, and I don't mean Mark is, is, is I don't know say that. I am white. Um, it's it, real, like our feelings are real, so it's just being dignified. Yeah. And taking our taking our lens is real, not our not our opinion. This is how I see the world. Yeah. And it's etched deeply into my heart and my my soul. Yeah, I feel like if we're, if we're talking about um, this idea of the, the moderate moderation or the, the people that might throw colorblind rhetoric or other things out there and say, you know, it's it's not a it's not a race problem. It's a grace problem. It's not a skin problem. It's a sin problem, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's there's some oh, there's some kernel of truth to those, but but encouraging, and I'd say for me it, as a as a white person, um, part of my job is to talk to white people. Like I'd, black people got enough on their plate. They don't need to coach white people how to stop being so racist. Um, that's that's a that's something for the the white community needs to step up and take control of their neighborhoods. That's what I would say about that. But um, with that, <laughs> with that, did you get the message? Uh, people out white communities <laughs> step up and take control of their neighborhoods. They got these thugs running around Charlottesville. Straight up. So, what we what we need to do though is it comes down to it's an issue of empathy. I mm -hmm. feel like, and and if I can come to someone, no matter where they stand politically, no matter where they stand in so many different ways, but if if they're a brother or a sister in Christ, and I can ask them to look at, at 1 John 4 about loving your brother, loving your sister, and the love of God. If I ask them to look at Romans 12 about weeping with those who weep and mourning with those who mourn, and I say, like, your brothers and sisters, not far away, just, just down the road from you, your brothers and sisters are hurting, and they're in pain, 
and these issues make them feel like the image of God in them is not being dignified, will you not care about that? Will, will, you, not, will you not just, just, just stop typing on Facebook and listen to what they're saying? And, and I think that's her. That's yeah. how, the, that's how the, the moderate that's prone to just, just step back and settle for the status quo, yeah. that's how their hearts transform. I, I, I was, that's good. I was talking to somebody the other day. Um, I think I was talking to Shirt Dog. Um, and I was saying, I said, uh, I said, bro, I said, yo, if you ran a company, and I said, if you ran a company and say you had uh, all these employees and you had this, this, these two Rottweilers you loved, you know what I'm saying? Like, you loved them. You grew up with you since you were a kid, and now you're an adult, and you got their pictures in your office sitting behind your desk, nice and big, right? And I said, but you had an employee that got mauled by a Rottweiler when they were little, and it's always been this extreme amount of fear in their heart. And, uh, and then one day, they came in, and they told you, they said, man, I know you love these dogs, but they, they, they undo me, like, in a crazy way because of my my history with them. Like, you know, I was ravaged by them when I was a kid and uh, I still have nightmares. Um, it, it, it we're just, you know, I'm trying to use a scenario because I feel like for people when I, it, it's sad that I have to do it, but like, um, not that this, that Shirky was the object of what I'm talking about, but we were just conversating. Often I feel like African-Americans are so dehumanized in conversations. Yeah. People can't even yeah. grasp our humanity to even work through the conversation. So I have to use another object that is that I deem less than a human or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So I had to use a dog. I love dogs, but I don't love them more than other humans, right? And so, you know, I said, if if that was the con context of the of this conversation, you know, yeah, I would probably be like, man, I love my dogs, but you know what? Like, I'm going to take these pictures down. I, you know, I love them, but I get it hurts you. Um... And and, 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 I, and I need to be aware of that, that that might be the case for people. I would dignify that person even over a dog in that moment. And, and taking the pictures down does not take away your love for the dogs. It does not. You still love your the dogs. Do, the dogs are not going to feel a certain kind of way because you took the pictures down. Okay? <laughs> if you know that you still love the dog and you communicated to the dogs, that. Yeah, y'all should have chosen a different animal. Yeah, we should. We should the Billy Goat. Yeah, I'm not gonna say. Hey, you right? Them dog lovers coming for our throat. Yeah, hey, don't hey, come. Look, for I us. love dogs out there, y'all. But yeah, you get my point. Us. You know what I'm saying? Hey, listen, real, really quick. Our time is. We, well, we we still got a little while to rock. But um, let me say this: Pure Radio 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. We in the building or whatever. You rocking with the Ville Radio Show. Um, I just want to make sure y'all know that. You know what I mean? Shout out to the Ville Church for supporting um, us and making it happen. That's our number one sponsor. Shout um, out to the live people on here. Appreciate y'all sliding through. See y'all been rocking with us. Straight up, most definitely. And, and, and shout out to Second Mile or whatever, straight out of Brentwood, um, here representing with us, our, our partners right there. So, listen, um, I want to hit this a little bit. So, we're talking about the, the, the issues at hand. Um, in, in, the, in the brokenness in the midst of what we see in Charlottesville, what it's bringing out about a long brokenness racially in our country um, and, and all of that stuff. But I feel like a, I firmly believe that we are in prime time. We have a prime opportunity to, exi- to show the cross and lift it up high. Um, 
to lift it up high. And, and, and when I say we, I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about Christ's bride, right? Um, you know, I think, it, you know, before I get to individualistically, I'm talking about the body as a whole. We have an opportunity right now to display the love of God in a way that makes um, everything Satan is throwing right now look so foolish. Um, but it's sad because it seems like a lot of people are so behind, late to this conversation. And even the ones who are even arriving at it because it's now forced on their plate, um, they still don't want to eat it. And they're kind of like, whatever, right? So that's that gray area we were talking about. But can we kind of talk a little bit about the beauty of what we can do in this moment and how the church can be responsible um, in this moment? I know we can be mad all day about how late we are to the conversation. But, like, what are some ways to, to, to be responsible in this season as believers with holding the truth in the midst of so many lies um, so many things that are anti um, the the heart of God that we see represented in the cross. Like Mark, I know you're doing um, you're, you're studying divided by faith right now. So if somebody out there is a pastor or just a lay member of a church and they're like, I really want to um, lead my church in this, or even give them ideas of how we can have better conversations. What's the premise of the book? What's the premise of the study you're doing? What are you hoping to see come from it? Why are you doing it? Um, if we could just use you as an example for, for people. Why is it dear to you? Like, Yeah. So I think first and foremost, part of why it's dear is, is that, that the church in, our, in the unity of our diversity is yeah. actually we're, we're better together that way. Most that's, that's, not, that's not saying there's nothing wrong with there being churches that are all Korean or all black, or, but, but that that we've been uniquely gifted with something that, that God invented culture and that as he invented it and he, it's no mistake that people have what skin color they have, that they have what culture they have, that they speak what language they have. But as God created that, he gave us something unique about his image mm -hmm. and that, that when we're together, we glorify him in a way that is, that is more, um, I don't know, more, more has more depth to yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so, the so, so we're not of, talking yeah. about, a we're not talking about a race and, people's correct, culture and correct. stuff. We're talking about dignifying the idea that God actually is in it and can show himself beautifully and we could celebrate our differences and still be one all in the middle of that. Like these are the different beautiful perspectives of yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Awesome. So, yeah, in heaven we're going to be People don't talk You're going like to be this. singing in Swahili yeah. or or Korean or mm -hmm. Kazakh, you know? Mm -hmm. Like it's our, our languages won't just disappear and we all speak King James English. Yeah. Um, we maintain our cultural differences in eternity. Yeah. And that's and that's because God made them and it's and it's good. But we're studying this book, um, which was written about 15 years ago, but it's still very relevant, and asks, what is the responsibility of the church in creating um, the segregation that we see in our churches up to today? So uh, one of the authors has continued to study, and today, the, the average church is it's 10 times more segregated than the neighborhood that surrounds that church, mm. and it's 20 times more segregated than the local school that is closest to that church. Mm. Um, so, so for us, what I'm, what I'm asking the Jacksonville community um, as, we, as we study this is, is how can we, not to say we all got to set up and move churches, but how can we be a part of the solution and how can we be working towards unity um, by looking at these things together, by seeking to be people who listen, people who empathize, and, and that's what we're trying to, 
to work at together. Yeah, yeah. What are you seeing so far coming out of the conversations? It's good. So, so one thing I'm seeing is, so the, the church I attend, Northside Community Church, we are a... We're, Shout out, Pastor Aaron. Hey, we're, we're trying to do the, the multi-ethnic thing. And I feel like in this, this setting, we've created a place where some of our members that are there, their voices can be heard. So, you know, in a typical Sunday morning, you know, you don't necessarily, and definitely not in a discussion style, dive into issues like race or diversity or class and how these things play out. But it's, it's been cool to see some of our members, and, and we've got, you know, we got people in their 60s and people in their teens um, having the chance to have their voice be heard, that they, they have the stage and they can talk about their experience and they can say, this is what I feel and this is why it matters. Yeah. So that's, that's been awesome to see. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Jonathan, you want to add anything? No. <laughs> All right. So um, we're freestyling off the head. So where are we going to go from here? Charlottesville. That's, 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 and, and, and you know what? I'll add to that, too, from <clears throat> just from the black perspective, well, just being a black man, um, I think is crazy important that and this is difficult for me still because I'm in the early stages of it, so I don't even know if I even should be saying it. I, maybe I, yeah, I guess you, I guess I can, you know. But um, taking the time to evaluate our hearts through scripture and just in constant prayer with um, with hearing, not only hearing your uh, white brothers and sisters but understanding the uh, the narrative and how in which how they were raised, um, some like being blind is literally being what that is. Mm-hmm. Some people are just that. Yeah. Um, and um, That's you have you point. have to take that sometimes to like very literal. And I think it's important that we. Um, like I was telling Jay and Jeremy last week when I saw Charlottesville that was the first time that I hadn't responded angry I, I responded like I mean I, I really feel sorry for those kids because you could see that they were young kids Yeah. you know most of them not all but yeah. you saw some of them were young like you said 1920 you know one the one that the face is all that's plastered all over the country, he looks at least between 20 and 25 years old. And it's just like, I felt sorry for him because you could clearly tell that, just like you said, he heard some rhetoric from somebody much older than him or raised in something, and all he's doing is living out what Mm -hmm. he was taught. And I think it's important for us to be able to take the time to let that young man speak his mind, understand that he's ignorant in a lot of what he's saying and blind, and be able to understand that he's grew up in a different narrative as us. It doesn't make how he feel right. But to keep us from pulsating in this anger and fear and responding in a way that is not going to be good for either party, because most of the time what happens, history tells us, most of the time, we don't do nothing to that person. Mm-hmm. 
We do it to each other. No, when when Jay pisses me off or makes me mad here at the job or whoever, I go home. My wife is the first to get it. She, I might take it out on my family before I even come back around and saying anything to, to Jay or, or whoever it is. And I think it's important that we mm. understand that that's, that plays a big part in how we um, exist with each other and, you know, how our heart plays in it. So. And we're the... As the church, we're the people who love our enemies. Yes. Like that's, that is the ethical distinctive that makes Christianity different from any yeah. other system in the world. We say, we, yeah. we love you, and we're going to pray for you, and we're going to pray good things for you. Yes. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great point. One of the things I was thinking, too, is, like, responsibility is not just being upset about the condition. Right. So it's like a lot of times we feel like that's enough to just be mad, angry, and ready to throw rocks. Um, but we love our enemies. We're, we're, we're repairers of the breach, right? So we, when something is broken, we think about how we have the cross as a, as a response to that brokenness that can heal it. Um, we put ourselves in it with sacrifice of our time and, 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 and our resources and everything else. We're ministers of reconciliation. So we come to make people who are enemies of God, we, we, we come to bring them back in relationship with the Father the same way we were. Right. So when we talk about the response of the church in the midst of all of this, that that's it. Like that, that's it that we're enriched with a perspective that actually loves our enemy. So it's like, yeah, I'm enraged by Charlottesville, but I'm also compelled to pray because I, the, when I, I, I felt the same, we talked about it last week, Phil, I looked at these fellas in the pitch and I was just like, the enemy is, 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 is running through them right now. Like yeah. he, like he, like he's, he's, he's taking the, these young men and he's just, he's lied and abused them. That's how we should feel when we see brokenness is that, um, we should want to replace the brokenness with the beauty of, uh, of, of the cross. Right. And so that's, and, and then another thing too, I think is important that we are in proximity of the cross and the need for, um, mercy and grace ourselves even in the conversation of racism just because i'm mad about it doesn't mean that i'm i'm, I'm outside of it I, like 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 martin luther king was saying like i have to fight my bitterness in it which shows my racism and shows me to not be any different from the young men in charlottesville you know what i'm saying with the nazi apparel like like my heart is not actually better than their heart right. um so I have to stay close to the cross in that need because what the 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 what'll come out of it won't be, you know, mercy and, and love and praying for their redemption. It'll be hatred and my self righteousness standing over them like I'm better than you and you should die because you're not as good as me. Um, so the cross, uh, so the church right now has an opportunity to lift up the cross by showing its need for it. But uh, you cross is made big in, in our repentance yeah. absolutely you know what i'm saying it you know matter of fact if you you know this is a little shameless plug whatever but sunday that's what we you know what i'm saying this saturday night come see us tomorrow morning that's what we're preaching about we we we're in the middle of our series something different and we're really going into um something different about us and about us as christians and what god has done with the cross is that our access is through our brokenness. It's not that we we don't get access to the Father because we're good and got it together. As we repent and walk into the light, 
his arms are made open. So we don't have to hide from our father and we don't have to hide in the midst of the public square and say we got it all together. Mm. We actually grow closer to our father as our need is displayed. Mm. Um, it, it, it shows him to be beautiful and, and not us. And that's the truth about it all. Um, you may catch us wearing some, some makeup and, and trying to dress it all up some days or whatever. That's that's in our weakness of our flesh. We try to try to do it, but our strength is in is in the cross. Um, so we get to punch the punch the enemy in the head like that, or whatever. So uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a wrap it up with that because we just we dead on an hour. No songs this week. Nothing no but songs. straight <laughs> straight. Nothing but Christian thugs around the table talking, yes. black and white coming together, living out this racial reconciliation thing and living out the gospel that redeems. And I pray that there's people out there that. That, you know, whether they like the conversation or not, took the time to listen, to hear the perspective um, and, and, and hear what we feel like, you know, the Father will have us to, to do in the middle of all this. All right. So we're going to sign the field. You want to take us out? Yeah, let's uh, take y'all out. Um, it's the Ville Radio Show. Make sure y'all come. And uh, shout out to the Ville Church, our sponsors, definitely, before we go. Uh, leave and make sure y'all come visit us 10:30 Sunday mornings, man. Y'all heard what's being preached in the morning, so if you're listening right now, come check us out. See us there, uh, 956 Liberty Street, 32206. We out of here. Boop 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 boop.